Hey everybody, it's Marsha O'Connor back with top three, another entrepreneur, another session, another way to learn about secrets and mistakes. So we are here once again, and oh, and Ashley Carroll is with us today. And it's so she's got a really cool story talking about what she did, has some really cool background on all too, but with that, I just want to make sure, you know, she's going to talk to us about how she gets started and what they've been doing. And it's only, I believe, like what, four, four years now, which is pretty crazy, you know, and going into momentum accounting and, uh, and tell us more about it as a chief operating officer. So, so Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So 2019, right before a pandemic, you decided to start, walk us through the process of starting. What were you thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking there is a gap here that uh, I can do better. Um, what I was seeing is a lot of accountants being unhappy in their role. Um, and uh, when I was coming out of college in 2016, I got that firsthand experience of being given two options, which was to be a tax or an audit accountant. And so Throughout my journey that I ultimately did not take either of those paths, um, I was able to find that there's actually a much needed role in the accounting space, um, but that it's not talked about and that accountants aren't really given the opportunity to be perceived as helpers in other ways outside of crunching numbers. So uh, I just, we thought that there would be a better way to do a small business consultancy and accounting by providing small businesses the kind of big four support that is typically filled out at anywhere from $800 to $1,000 an hour um, and is typically very inaccessible um, and making that accessible essentially for small business owners. But why go on your own? Um, it's a different path, you know, because as accounting and all too, a lot of accountants don't like to do that. They, they don't like risk, you know? What made you wanna go on your own in 2019 in particular? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's definitely a big generation gap that we're seeing in the accounting world. I think 60% of accountants are set to retire um, yep. in the coming 10 years. Uh, some staggering numbers like that. And the number of graduates going into the accounting programs is continuing to decline. So there is a huge gap between um, your traditional accountants and what I call your modern accountants. And if working in a big four, there's a lot of bureaucracy, even working in a big eight, there's a lot of bureaucracy. Um, and you see the potential, the, like the opportunity cost that these business owners are facing. So at some point, you truly believe that you can do it better or you can provide more value or more help to the world by going independent and being able to offer something that you couldn't necessarily offer when you were confined within your role. Yeah, it's crazy to see what happens. So what do you think? You work with a lot of businesses. Do you work primarily with businesses under 100 employees or is it more than that? What's yeah, typically under 100 employees. We work with primarily service-based companies and mm -hmm. anywhere between the $1 to $20 million. So when you get up to the 10 to $20 million, we can see you getting into the $1 to $200 employee range, but we typically work with clients under 100 employees. Gotcha. And then, but what would you say is like, you've been doing this for four years now, but the top two things that you find that basically uh, employers or CEOs doing that mistake, and then you come in and you fix. Mm. 
first thing would be not talking to their uh, team in a way that matters. So um, having their team be part of decision-making processes, they don't have to be the decision-makers, but their input needs taken from every decision. I see that skipped over a lot. Sometimes um, business owners, they just think that they have a great idea and that they're they're truly trying to be generous. They're, I don't typically see it coming from a negative place or a place of being cheap or trying to get by with the minimum. I truly see them coming in with fantastic ideas of um, let's give them uh, a one-time Christmas bonus. And then when you go and you ask the employees, they are actually like, ah, if you have $10,000, I love a $10,000 salary raise because I can predict that and I can take that home to my family every week for the next year. Um, you know, and so sometimes it's just a matter of not including them in the decision-making process. And I'd say the second mistake that I see is not um, seeing them as human, seeing your employees as kind of cogs in the wheel. Um, when someone is not doing or meeting, I want to say not doing their job, but I want to correct myself in the middle of it and say, maybe not meeting your expectations. Um, the first place that I would like you to check is to call them in rather than calling them out and saying, is everything okay? What's going on for you? There may be so many other things um, as opposed to that employee is just slacking, doesn't want to do a good job. I truly believe that the majority of people come to work wanting to do a good job. Um, and, and it's often that they're put in positions where they feel like they can't do that. They don't have the resources, tools necessary to do that. Um, and so remember that they're human first um, and be asking questions, you know, outside of their just role, like, you know, why aren't you getting your work done? How about what's going on for you? I noticed your work isn't getting done. What's going on for you? That's a much better question. Yeah. So, but you're like the one of the first accounting, um, outsourced accounting firms I've heard that basically you talk about the well-being of the individual. A lot of them don't do that. Why is that so important to you? Because as a previous client-facing accountant, that role ruined my well-being. I saw it firsthand. These statistics are very real. And mm -hmm. I have just always been, <laughs> I don't know, forward thinking and stubborn, depending on how you look at it, that I was not going to settle with just 40 years of being unhappy as an accountant because that's what I had a degree in. When I got into that client-facing role and I realized that, hey, I got to choose an amazing company to work for, but then I didn't get to choose my clients and mm. I didn't get to choose my software. I didn't get to choose my team members that I partnered heavily with and no one checked on me to see how I was doing or if my clients were treating me kindly or if I had what I needed. It was just, are the boxes checked? Mm. You know, I became a box checker. And I, I know what that turned me into was a lazy employee, an employee that didn't care. All the thing that these owners are worried about your employees being in, in remote working sessions, that is a fear. That is a consequence of you not providing them the right environment. Um, and so I think that that's why we care about it so much as an accounting firm, because we've been in that position. We know what it's like to 
cry before you come into work. We know what it's like to be afraid to answer that client phone call because you know they're going to say things like, well, a good accountant could just, you know, just we are all humans who deserve a reasonable amount of respect. We're all professionals just trying to do our job. And if we're all working towards the same goal, um, and what's your goal as a business owner? Most of the business I owners I work with are trying to reach personal financial freedom for themselves and for their team and have a bigger impact either on their industry or their community in some way. That's the same thing I want as an individual. So if we can see each other on that same plane and then bring in our professional expertise to collaborate together, we're going to get a lot further um, as opposed to just kind of seeing each other as these cogs, one or above the other, feeding information in and out of these uh, these ports, basically. It's, it's very um, uh, sterile and uh, it will cost you a lot of money at the end of the day, not only in, in clients and turnover and employee well-being, um, but brand reputation and, and mm -hmm. how far longevity in your business, uh, that, that goes a long way too. How many employees do you have now? Eight. Gotcha. So how do you take that, you just told me, and incorporate that with your eight employees? Yes. So the biggest thing for me is I have conversations with each of my employees every week. Now I have eight, that's very scalable for me, but to have groups of you know, of teams that are verbally checking in with each other, not a software. Now software is great too. Um, that's another, uh, tip to do, you know, um, 15.5 is a software that I recommend. It's a uh, it's a, ch a platform that you can do a check-in one to five. How was your week? And then answering questions. So that can be for your team members who aren't as comfortable speaking face-to-face. -face. But I highly encourage you to, even if that's not your natural inclination, to get those face-to-face -face interactions in, get to know your employees as people on a personal level, because I've become so close with them that I can kind of tell when things are maybe not going well for them outside of work, that they're bringing things in, that they're feeling stressed maybe. I know that my colleague's husband is going undergoing surgery, you know? Now these personal things, that may not be any of my business and for bigger organizations, I completely understand privacy and I highly encourage you to just set clear boundaries within your firm of what you wanna share. But within my team, because we are so small, being able to share and know each other that well really helps us. And then getting that quick check-in, like how's your workload one to five capacity wise um, is great. And then the other thing I would say is encouraging time off. I know that that feels very like, no, no, don't encourage time off, especially in service-based business when people's time is your revenue. Yeah. Um, but man, will they knock it out of the park on a client call when they come back well-rested with their mind in a better place, as opposed to just weeks and months of droning on, tired on these calls, not bringing any energy, not bringing any new ideas. Um, you know, so encouraging time off uh, is a big part of our team plan. When we see people tired, rest is is not a reward. It is a requirement. But what happens? I imagine they're all, obviously, they probably are remote, your employees, or do you have an office on all two right now? Uh, correct. We're all remote. You're remote. And so how do you keep that remoteness of that? I mean, eight people, a lot easier, yes, than 80. Totally agree. 
But how do you keep that kumbaya with people working remote? I mean, obviously taking time off, I totally get that. But what else are you doing to keep them motivated? Because talking to people is great, but it is hard to get up every day and, you know, to crunch the numbers, basically. That's what you're doing, right? So um, how, how else are you doing that right now? Yeah. So really tangibly, what we do is every Monday, that's my planning day as COO. I get up, I read through all of my teams. We have lots of transparency so that we have the ability to hand things off and share and delegate amongst our team. So that's something we've really put in place as a small team. Other small teams, it's typically like you really can't go on that 100% vacation policy because you're the only person who works on these eight clients and they depend on you. Um, so for us, every client uh, has a backup on everything. And then every Monday, the eight of us meet and it's basically flow everything to the top. What's been going on for you? How are your clients doing? How are you doing? What do you need help on this week? What are your roadblocks? Just giving that open opportunity as a team, because a lot of things, some person, uh, someone might be experiencing something that someone else hadn't thought of or yep. was, a fit, you know, had that pain point, but hadn't brought it up for some reason yet. So just collaborating and synthesizing the data as much as possible, meaning like, sharing it all together and seeing how many different situations we can apply it to, to yep. make it easier. So it can be so easy as a remote team to get siloed and then feel lonely and lost and not sure where to go. That's why we come back together um, every Monday as a team to do that. I think another thing that is different, um, we don't do any Slack channels or like chatting like that during the day we do have a text we have like a voice system that we can text and call each other on and we have like yep. group chats but we do not waste our time like on slack channels all day because when we get together it's so much more meaningful like we spend the first 15 minutes 20 minutes actually chatting and laughing and showing vacation photos and then yeah. we get into the meat of it and that's just what's worked for us it may not work for everyone uh we also just don't like to be distracted during the day we're very much a work-life balance firm we all have the same understanding that we like to come in, do our work, and then we like to have our time that we've earned off. Um, and, and we're all really respectful of that with each other. So coming in with that goal in mind, that keeps everyone really energized knowing like, okay, we're all working towards achieving this 36-hour work week that we've bought ourselves. We bought ourselves a half day back every Friday with our revenue or profit margin. Um, that's how we're keeping everyone energized. And- I imagine too, finding people difficult right now. I mean, there's still a talent crunch. I don't care what anybody says, especially for the high skills. How are you finding to, to find these people? Um, so I I have heard this. I'm, I'm not going to brag, but when I posted, so I did recently hire uh, a new accountant and I accidentally went viral on LinkedIn doing so by posting basically the morning of I was doing interviews I wrote a little letter to any of my interviewees who were going to be checking out my LinkedIn profile, as I assumed they were going to be. And I said, hey, here's what's going on for me this morning. You know, like, this is not my normal day either. So I'm nervous too. Uh, this is what I'm wearing. This is what I have at my desk with me. These are the questions I'm going to ask you. This is the problem that I need solved in the next 60 days. So tell me a story about this. Um, basically just softballing everything to them. Um, 
uh, we got so many job applications, uh, yeah. you know, and for us, the, well, the feedback that we got was that there's just this authenticity there yeah. that is not available in other job postings. So I would say if you're struggling to find good quality talent, being authentic, like people are not longing to be impressed right now. Yep. They're truly not. They want somewhere that feels comfortable, that feels like they're going to value them, that feels like they have clear uh, delineation of their roles and responsibilities. That's what people want. And they will come and they will curl up there and they will do an amazing job for you and they will stay for a long time. So don't come in and try to impress people, you know, with whatever it is that you may be trying to impress them that isn't as authentic as, hey, I really care about you as an employee. This is how I'm going to show it to you. And this is what I need from you in return for my business. As simple as it could be. Yeah, it's really interesting because I find um, it's so simple, I think, to do all this and get it going. But how are you how are you staying above with all the trends and how to build a business and what to do? Where are you hanging out with and who are you talking with to really, you know, keep that perspective? You know, I hang out with a lot of. I would say not business owners right now. I hang out with a lot of business owners in my networking groups, um, but as part of that process, I, I'm quite the fly on the wall because it's my job. I feel like I kind of see myself as chief reality officer. Mm. I like to play the role between like the both perspectives. I understand needing to make money, make profit margin. Like I understand the, the ownership goals. And I also understand the employee experience and, mm -hmm. you know, the ROI or opportunity cost on, you know, your choices that you make there. So I spend a lot of time with business owners uh, in those rooms, but I also spend a lot of time talking with my team or talking with other operations or people leaders who, you know, um, staffing agencies. I love talking with staffing agencies and HR agencies like yourself to say, like, you know, this is what the trends of employees are saying right now. Um, because again, going back to that first uh, kind of question, what's the two mistakes I see is that you're not asking the people who are going to be directly impacted uh, for their input. And so those are the people I like to hang out with. Um, and really like, you know, obviously you started doing it four years. What do you think the number one thing that you had learned that you made a mistake and you said, oh my God, it was such a good thing to learn. I'm not going to do it again, but I learned from it. So what was that? I'm not sure I've ever told this story. I will not name names. <laughs> the one thing you do not want to do is talk crap about something you don't know about. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And as an employee, it is very easy to assume that if your needs are not being met, that your boss doesn't care about you. And I think that's a mistake that I made that I wouldn't make again. Um, going back the other direction and remembering as an employee that your owner is also a human and they have a lot of tough decisions to make uh, and they might be lonely. They might be making some of these decisions alone. The pressure yeah. is immeasurable. You don't yeah. know what you don't know. And so do not assume that your boss doesn't care for you as a human just because that may not have been communicated in some way so far. If mm -hmm. you're feeling that, 
I really encourage you to find a way to connect with them and ask in some way or engage with them in some way on that level um, to see if you maybe can crack the door to that conversation rather than just accepting defeat, um, which is going to put you in that place of, you know, not doing your best and showing up to do a good job. And you know what? I got to tell you, I think that, um, you know, I think people forget that we're human. And um, as being a CEO and running everything, because we make it look, sometimes people like it look easy and it's not, and it's very lonely. And, you know, as I was building, I can't tell you how many lonely nights I had, even though I have a family, I would still get upset and cry because I want everybody to be like on the same page and bored. And the one thing I've learned, which I will pass on to you, I've been doing this for 16 years, my own business, um, is you can't make everybody happy and you need to be okay with that. And for a lot of people, that's really hard to like let go and be like you know what they have to make that decision not you and I think as a CEO you put it all on your your shoulders and and sometimes it's really hard to pull away so I I get all that um what about successes you know we talk about top three is all about successes and failures and um you know what about a success thing that you did or implemented or said that really resonated with the team member and it was so like impactful Mm -hmm. In my current role, mm-hmm. hmm. I think the idea of implementing backup is so basic, mm-hmm. but has changed my team members' lives. Mm. In the sur- in the people service industry, right, it is typically one account manager to a client, mm-hmm. and then you're typically told you have PTO or 100% PTO. But that client's business is still running. And so the game changer for us was when I introduced the idea of like, hey, you don't have to be able to pick everything up day one and know all the nuts and bolts of something. But if this team member deserves some time off and goes on their time off, Mm -hmm. they deserve to not have to check their phone. Like, pure time off. I don't know where this whole, I mean, digital nomad is great, but I'm talking about actual vacation, not checking emails or phones. So putting that extra person behind them, even though it was a little bit of extra lift for everyone to get familiar with each other's clients on just the basic level. And there was a lift of creating documentation, obviously that would be Mm -hmm. quick to pick up in case Mm -hmm. we needed to do things. Um, now people actually go on vacation and they come back rested and I can see if they log in and I can like smack their little hand and be like, what are you doing here? Get out. And then I can say, I'm worried about this and I'm X, Y, Z's got it covered, you know? So there is a backup plan to everything. So I would say if there's a, a single point of failure inside of your team and any of your workflow or processes, um, that is not, uh, it seems like a simple idea. It's a heavy lift. But going through that list and finding that can be just a way to truly add freedom to your team uh, in a way that they didn't have it before, but it was kind of perceived that they did. Yeah, I think people, I know when the professional services side, uh, especially with what you and I do, they're all like, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you do, but you need to let go because you need to take care of you. And if something happens, and we learned this from COVID, a lot of people got sick. A lot of people couldn't do what they were doing. And so it was always like a tag team. Every team we have is a tag team to it to make sure that there's somebody else. And we have a system online 
So that person can log right in, know exactly where that person left off, all the forms, everything's in there. And it just makes life so much easier, you know, but sometimes you have to lead them to the water. That's all. You so do. you're good at that. Um, so what is next uh, for your company? What, where do you want to take it? How large do you want to be? What's next for you, Ash? Yeah. So Operations House is owned by Nicole McKenzie. You can look her up. She is an amazing accountant uh, disrupting the industry. And I've been her right-hand woman for the last four years. So we're continuing to grow momentum accounting. accounting. Um, and so the goal there is to work with 50 to 60 amazing clients long-term, helping them scale their service-based businesses from where they are now, somewhere between one and $5 million to the 50 to $20 million mark and help them exit if they need to, or just get into maintenance mode. So we've created a lifestyle company. That was really my goal and role with our owner at Momentum. And so just on the side, I've done um, my own passion project that I've started with her blessing called Operations House, where everything I've done for her and Momentum Accounting, I'm now offering to other firms um, in the service-based space who just think that this might be a good fit for them or looking for a little ethos change. Maybe you're noticing something's not sitting right in their team or there might be a problem. They can't quite put their finger on it. So Momentum Accounting is always accepting a new service-based accounting clients uh, around the one to $5 million range and looking to grow. And Operations House is also looking for those same similar size businesses uh, who are looking for organizational development, leadership development, um, and all that other glue that holds everything together. Yeah, that's definitely a lot of glue right there. Yes. A lot of firms don't know how to use it the right way, unfortunately, so we're sure. And then what do you do for fun yourself? Yeah, I love music. I started drum lessons yesterday at the Malvern wow. School of Music. Nice. So I'm really excited about that. You can catch me at the Man Center or any of the venues downtown Philly here. And I'm also a big Phil's fan, disappointed about that loss last night, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, I, I moved to Philly here in 2017. I met my husband on Bumble here uh, wow. randomly, and he is a teacher uh, and has an amazing job. So uh, I moved up here and have become well acquainted with the Philly area, but I feel like I have something new to explore every day. So I just absolutely love getting out into the community and doing the parks, the hikes, the games, um, all that stuff that I didn't get to experience coming from a smaller town. And the fact that you become a Phillies fan so quickly is awesome, you know, so sometimes it takes a little longer than that too, but I'm so glad to have you incorporated already. So, yes, yeah. I was awesome. here when they still stunk in 2017. So I hope no one is discrediting the cheer I have for them now. <laughs> oh, they're, uh, they were fun. It was fun to watch last night. It was a little depressing to watch last night, but you know what? They're coming to our house and in our house, it's hard to win in our house. So um, it's pretty loud here. So yeah, let's exactly. go Phil's. <laughs> so we'll definitely have some fun. So what do you do in regards to, like I always ask all my people, do you read or do you do audible? I'm a reader. Mm -hmm. I like to do the Kindle reader because I like to do the night mode while my husband's mm -hmm. sleeping and I love to lay in the pool or the bath <laughs> and just, you know, the books not get mixed up. I, I have tons of paper books. Um, so if I really love something on audible, I'll get it on paper book to have for my collection. 
Um, but yeah, I'll do, or if I really love something on my Kindle, I'll get it for paperback. Um, but podcasting is where I listen to everything. So I don't love to listen to the books too, because I do a lot of podcast listening. So I want to switch it up. Oh, funny. Yeah. I like, I like listening to both actually. I wish, I wish Audible was around when I was in high school. I would have so much better in my AP history. Sure. Oh my God. The sun also rises 1.25 speed, please. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just like, Oh my gosh. And uh, yeah, I had to read a book about Russia or China. China was like this thick and you're like, Oh, um, and I read it all, but shoot, did I comprehend it all? Not even close. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, but audible. I remember like where I'm driving and I remember what chapter and different things. I remember it all comes in my head. Cause I'm and when dreaming the authors it. do the voice. Yeah. I, that's the best. It's the best by all means. I love it. Um, and then if you go, wake up in the morning and go on your phone, your first app, what's your first app you go to every day? My aura ring. Um, Ooh, so there you go. Aura ring. Um, if you haven't heard of it, it's O-U-R-A. Uh, it's kind of a take on a, a Apple fitness watch. Yep. I have anxiety kind of sensory stuff. So wearing a heavy Apple watch was too much for me. Um, but this ring is much lighter and it also tracks things, something specific to me, my sleep, um, which I know your Apple watch does just not as well. And your heart rate variability, which is like a stress indicator. So the very first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is check my app to see how I slept and how my stress is doing. And I do plan my morning routine based on that. So I love a flexible morning routine, like a bucket of things to choose from. And then depending on how I'm feeling. So that's where I go. It's awesome. I love it. Um, and then I would say for entrepreneurs out there that are starting up, what do you think like one, one bit of advice would be what? Know your why and stay very committed to it because there is a lot of business out advice out there. There is a lot of advice that says there's only one way to do it. You have to have this app, this workflow, this company, this software, Stay focused to your main vision and why. My main vision and why is to democratize wealth building. So at the end of the day, I have to come back to that vision and make sure that the decisions I'm making from hiring to partnering with someone to the services that I'm providing are meeting that vision. Because as you said, it can get lonely and you can hear a lot of voices and opinions and advice um, and you hear stuff enough, uh, you know, that you, you you start to feel like maybe I should be doing it this way. Um, mm -hmm. So just find a place to stay grounded. And I think that the best place to stay grounded in is your values and that, that why, that ultimate vision. Excellent advice. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough, Ashley Carroll. And how, if people wanted to get a hold of you and your team, how do they contact you? Yeah, so we're huge on LinkedIn, but we also have websites. So find me, Ashley Carroll, on LinkedIn. I also have a website for my business, operations.house. Uh, and you can find my owner for Momentum Accounting, Nicole McKenzie, on LinkedIn as well. And she has MomentumAccounting.com as her website. So feel free to contact us through either of those forms. So wonderful. It's so good to have a tag team like that. It's really good to have both of them together because... They don't get at, they don't get together enough, unfortunately. So That's what you know, we're seeing. until it's too late down the road. So, well, congratulations. Best of luck to you. Um, stay in touch. And um, for those out there who are entrepreneurs listening, take the tips, take the pearls of wisdom that you're hearing today, because there's so much out there. Hang around other entrepreneurs, really ask the questions, dive deep, 
And don't be afraid, but you're right about focusing. Focus, focus, focus. Don't be everything to everybody, but be something to everybody instead, because it's going to be much more important for you down the road. So with that, I'm going to let you go. This is Marcia O'Connor once again with um, the O'Connor Group. This is Top 3. Please like us. Please share us out there. And until next time, keep on grinding, guys. You've got this. We're behind you. Talk soon.